On February 13th of 2017, I published episode 13 of Up and to the Right. Now, I should have realized that publishing the 13th episode on the 13th day of the month was a recipe for disaster. But anyway, after episode 13, I started planning and I stopped producing. And it took me over a year to get back on track. In episode 21 of Up and to the Right, we'll put off talking about procrastination. We'll avoid talking about what it is. We'll mindlessly scroll through our social media feed instead of discussing why we procrastinate. And finally, we'll do a lot of online research, enabling us to sidestep what we can do to avoid it. Time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Stephen Krause here with Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast where we focus on blending your passion with proven business principles and practical action that gives you the edge you need to create your unique impact. This is not a podcast about buzzwords or short-term trends. This is about proven business principles and how to apply them in your unique way. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash up and to the right. That's all one word. At Audible, you're going to find over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. All right, in the news this week, I wanted to to shed some light on an article that I found or, or share an article that I found um, on uh, Money Watch, and it it talked about the how small small retailers are finding ways to compete with big box stores, and I thought that was a, a pretty important thing. We've touched on it a couple times in past episodes. So when this came up, I thought, hey, this is a great a great thing to share. Uh, a couple of things there were there were three basic things that I took away from the article that small business owners can can use to promote themselves uh, to their local communities and to, uh, to customers. One of the things they, they mentioned in the article is where something is manufactured. It was, and this, this article kind of covered the holiday season in, in 2017, um, was that what they found was that some of, a lot of their customers were, were interested in local or, or U S based products, meaning manufactured in the United States. And of course this is a, uh, an article in a in a U.S. publication, but the the same is probably true around the world. Uh, people are interested in supporting their local economy, and we can tap into that as small business owners. The second thing they talked about was uh, personalized service, which I've talked about before. In fact, um, in just just uh, last episode, uh, well, okay, episode before last, uh, I think nineteen, I talked specifically about. Uh, using personalized service as a competitive advantage. And that's something that's very hard for an online retailer or a, uh, 
a big box store to really give you that kind of attention and that kind of, uh, that kind of service. So that's another one. And then the last one, which I, I think is a really good one that I hadn't brought up before is, uh, test and repeat advertising. So find a way to test, to, re, uh, market an ad or, or find a way to create an ad and run it with a small, uh, investment and see what the return is. See how many people um, respond to that ad and then make adjustments. Whether if, if that's not a good uh, fit for you, find another place to advertise and try that and make a small investment and keep experimenting with your advertising. And I think this is something that if you've read uh, Eric Reese's book, The Lean Startup, this is uh, um, kind of reminiscent of minimum viable product, right? What is your minimum viable advertising? What and and uh, the idea behind minimum viable product is that you do the the smallest thing that a customer would pay for, the smallest investment you can make, the minimum product that you can get somebody to to give you money for, and then you get their feedback before you take the next step and what they call iterate. And so, I think this is a great application to uh, advertising, where you say, okay, what's a, a minimum advertising campaign that I can try? in this particular market? And then, uh, how did, uh, uh, how did my market respond to it? And if it was successful, then you can continue doing it. Or if it wasn't as successful as you'd hoped, you can switch to a different platform. You can switch, uh, your headline, you can change your photo or, or whatever your offer is and, uh, tweak that advertisement and that offer and continue to do that until you find things that really give you traction. So uh, there'll be a, sh- a link in the show notes to this article, um, but I thought it really was uh, a good uh, kind of summary of what small businesses uh, or what some small businesses were doing uh, over the holidays this last season to compete in uh, uh, against the big box stores and the uh, online market in general. All right. And that is breaking the buzz. This week, I want to talk about customer profile. And what we, what we mean when we talk about a customer profile is, uh, I think a, there's a really good starting point, um, on, uh, from Lincoln Murphy on 16 ventures. And you can, there will be a link in the show notes to that as well. Uh, but his, his quote is you should think of your ideal customer as the customer type that over a clearly defined time frame, you will dedicate sales and marketing resources to acquire. And I think that's a great way to start. It's all about figuring out where it's best to put your time and money when you're trying to acquire those new uh, customers. And so that's uh, the the customer profile. And going a little deeper, uh, you know, there's the, the overreach, overarching description that uh, Lincoln Murphy provides gives us a good idea. What do you do with that information though? How do you implement that? And you could do a whole podcast on this and maybe I will, but uh, right now for what we need to do is identify who our customer is and what does that mean in relationship to our own product? And, and so we write those things down so that we can um, provide uh, a uh, an environment for them, whether they come in the store, the store environment is good for them. Or uh, what does my advertising say? Does my advertising speak to that particular uh, customer profile? And that's what we want to do with with that. So that's customer profile. 
buzzword of the week, uh, actually a very important concept. So uh, while it it is included in the buzzword, buzzword of the week segment this week, it's also something that everybody needs to not only be cognizant of, but really be paying attention to and defining. This week in Hitting the Books is The Five-Second Rule by Mel Robbins. And if you're... Um, if you haven't seen the TED Talk, she actually uh, introduces the five-second rule in the last uh, maybe three to five minutes of her TED Talk. It was a TEDx talk, actually, um, uh, about, uh, uh, I won't say a completely different subject, but uh, I have put a link in the show notes to that uh, TED Talk as well. But basically, it comes down to if you have something that you need to do, something crosses your mind, you say, uh, and a great example, and I think she gives this in the book as well, is, is um, I need to go to the gym, right? If you, if you don't act quickly, your brain will start to give you reasons why you don't actually need to go to the gym and you probably need some Doritos instead. Um, and, and what she talks about in the book is you just count down five, four, three, two, one. And then before you hit one, you have to be taking some kind of action to make it, you know, to, to make that reality. So if you're to continue with the analogy of the gym, five, four, three, two, one, and I need to be putting on my, my running shoes or getting my gym bag or walking up the stairs to, to, uh, uh, get my gym bag out of the closet or something, right? Begin to take action on that thing. And uh, because if you don't, your brain will start to talk you out of it. And we will start to start, we'll start cycling through the reasons why we don't need to, or don't have to, or don't want to, um, rather than taking action we know needs to get done. And it's, I think it's, Part of it's variable in terms of who you are as a person and how you respond to things. But for me, uh, sometimes I can't act on everything that comes my way right away. I have to say, okay, I just thought about something that's going to take me resources that I don't have right now to do something about it. So my action, my five, four, three, two, one, is that I put it in Todoist. So it's a, a reminder to do it later. But uh, and and that can take all kinds of forms whatever it looks like to you, um, you know, whether it's something you can do right away, if it's answering an uncomfortable email, sometimes you just got to get that stuff done, right? So you just five, four, three, two, one, you open your email and get it done. Um, or it's stuff that you're going to have to say, okay, I had a great idea for a podcast episode, but I'm at the gym on the elliptical. I, I can't do it there. So I have to, I put it into Doist and I say, okay, next time, or, you know, I'll start show notes for that particular uh, topic. And, uh, and we'll go from there. So, uh, five second rule by Mel Robbins, uh, the, the, uh, book has a lot of case studies and research. If you're, if you're interested in the background, um, to me, the, the, the real fundamental question on this and actually many, many business concepts is not so much, um, you know, they all back up a lot or many of them back up their work with, with lots of research and lots of, uh, um, case studies and stuff like that. And what I, what I actually do a lot of times is could, does that even make sense to me? And if it does make sense to me, then does it make enough sense to me to try it? And if it makes enough sense for me to try it, did it work for me? And it seems kind of funny, but five, four, three, two, one works. If, if I'm, if I'm stuck on something, if I, if I have a thought and I start to see my brain or feel my brain 
you know, losing energy to do whatever I, I think uh, or I was thinking about, then I say five, four, three, two, one, and that triggers me to say, okay, I need to take action on this. So even if it's just a, a helpful mental trigger, the concept is in fact helpful. So really enjoyed it. Uh, a great book for the listeners of Up and to the Right. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can try their service and get a copy of the five-second rule for free. I only advertise products that I use and can fully endorse, and I use Audible pretty much every day. So sign up for your free trial and download the five-second rule today. Okay, so tongue-in-cheek aside, what is plancrastination? What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about what plancrastination is. We're going to talk about why we plancrastinate, and then we're going to talk about what we can do about it. And in each case, I'm going to give you an example of, I'm going to work through the example of my own struggle with this when I came to, uh, when, it, when it comes to the podcast, the example I gave in the intro. So uh, what do I mean when I say plancrastination? Uh, obviously, it's a mixture of planning and procrastination, and what we when we have what, what I've found is that I end up planning to the point where I never take any action. I keep planning and planning and planning and planning, but the action never happens. And so obviously there's the uh, five, four, three, two, one uh, tie in right there, right? We want to take some action because planning doesn't actually sell product. It doesn't generate revenue. It doesn't create profit. It doesn't help your customers. Um, it's action that does that. And planning is important but if you don't take action, you're not actually getting anything done. So I have to tell you an aside here that when I thought it was being really funny when I came up with plancrastination, this mixture of two words, and, uh, you know, we've got, uh, all of these examples in the media, um, of people mixing celebrities names and stuff like that. And, uh, so it turns out that there are so many of these two word or actually even more, more words in some cases, there's there's so many of these things. There's actually a name for this and it's called a portmento uh, where you take one word or two words and create them, blend them together and create uh, a, a, another word. And it's not a contraction, which is different because the apostrophe replaces letters. And so uh, that was a, something I learned as I was doing research for this episode is that this actually is a thing. And uh, so there are a lot of them, and I, I actually will include in the show notes a link to Wikipedia uh, of a huge list of portmentos for your viewing pleasure in the future. So if, if there's ever a time when you really know you should be doing something else and you're plancrastinating, I will give you a perfect opportunity to look at portmentos instead of doing what you're supposed to be doing. So moving on from portmento to planning and procrastination or plancrastination. Um, it's the, it, you know, like I said, it's the constant planning at the expense of taking any action. And so the, the trap as a business owner is, uh, it, you know, planning isn't a bad thing. Like I said, we have to plan, but we, uh, we, we, and we plan so that the likelihood of success is higher. The issue comes if additional planning won't provide a significant increase in the odds of success. At that point, we need to be done planning and take action. And so what happened with Up and to the Right was uh, the original episodes uh, of Up and to the Right had production issues, some of which 
might be apparent in the production uh, or in the in the uh, audio download, and some might not be. Um, outlining, I went through all kinds of outlining tools. Uh, I didn't have an editorial calendar, so a, AKA I had no plan, uh, which made it difficult. Uh, come, as I came up to production time, I'm like, what am I going to talk about? What do I need to prepare? Um, and so it, not only was it maybe, uh, did I stumble a lot, but I also didn't feel like I, I, um, I didn't always feel like I had a, a cogent plan put together. And so the, and so the next thing is that the, the, um, format seemed incomplete to me. Uh, when we, and then there was audio recording. So that those were show prep issues, outlining editorial calendar, the format itself, you know, the structure of the, the podcast, um, audio recording, I had ambient noise issues and, um, the audio quality, uh, while not bad, uh, I felt like there was some things we could do to improve it. And the introductory videos, um, uh, I was shooting and I may have talked about this before. I don't remember, but I was shooting on the, the main camera I was using was a Canon 5D Mark II, which is, a, a, you know, it, if you don't know, it was the first DSLR that really caught people's attention as a, as being able to shoot video. So, you know, it's kind of iconic in that sense. And, and people talk about that camera, but it has very serious limitations. Um, you can only shoot for about 11 minutes before it overheats and shuts down. Well, you know, I would love to say that I can take all of these things in, in one or two minutes. And, and now I do much better than I used to, but, uh, you know, I don't, you know, it, it takes me time to set these things up and get them and get them rolling. And sometimes it goes longer than 11 minutes and the camera would shut down and then I'd have to pause and go work or go do something else for a while and come back when the camera had cooled down and then try to shoot it. Uh, the next thing was that my second camera was a, a Canon elf, which is not designed uh, to shoot video in a controlled environment where, uh, you want to have absolute control of, of the, all the, uh, videography aspects of the camera, the aperture and, and the, uh, white balance and all this stuff, which we like to do in a, in a controlled environment. Uh, it, it, it's just not designed for that. It's designed more for taking, uh, you know, uh, videos of, of the beach when you're on vacation or something like that. Uh, definitely not designed as a, as a professional video camera. I have a digital audio recorder I was using that would shut down. Now that shut down after a longer time, but if I didn't get everything set, I would be right in the middle of a take and I would see the, the Amber screen shut off. And then I would know that I wasn't actually recording anything. Um, so, uh, and every time I was shooting the video, I had to set up and, you know, set the cameras up, figure out where they were going to be, focus them and all that. So there were, uh, a lot of elements that were, uh, that I felt needed to be worked on. And part of the, the reason here is that I, I wanted to make it as efficient as possible so that I, I could spend, you know, the introductory videos are less than two minutes, but if it takes me three hours to do them there, they have to generate an awful lot of, of traction before you say, okay, that's, that's worth the time that you're spending. So I really had to to clean that up and get it so that it was an efficient, effective use of my time. And so I had to look at how we were going to do that. Well, um, so what did I, the beginning of my plan crastination was after episode 13, I kind of threw up my hands and rage quit for a while. Uh, and, and 
I had to say, okay, I need to plan longer term. I need to have a reliable calendar where I'm, I know what I'm going to talk about, what I'm going to write about. I need to be doing that, at, you know, a few episodes in advance at least. Um, so I need to put that reliable calendar together. I need to have a solid plan for outlining and, 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 uh, keeping show notes. I need to have a, a production guideline so that I can be more efficient with my time. And what that ended up being was basically a checklist for each episode. What do I need to do, um, before I, uh, press publish, you know, all of the things that need to come together before, before I hit the publish button. Um, then I needed to look at how can I improve the audio and video production, um, both my own knowledge and the equipment. And finally, uh, how do I get organized, uh, to simplify and reduce the production time? And so it was really easy to rationalize, uh, a need to make some improvements in the podcasting, uh, uh, production workflow. Um, but when, in, in retrospect, what I had to do is kind of go back when I was doing the, the show notes for this episode, I said, you know, was there uh, a really great reason to actually halt production over these things? Um, you know, was the first episode of up and to the right, not minimum viable product. If we go back to the Eric Reese concept of, of minimum viable, minimum viable product, was I not there yet? And how many complaints had I received? How many people had, had emailed me and said, God, you know, you have this great content, but your audio quality is just terrible. Or, uh, you know, it, it was something like that. And the reality is that, uh, I think those early episodes were perfectly fine for minimum viable product and going back and, and looking at it, uh, what I would like to think is objectively, um, you know, there's no reason I couldn't have been producing content while I was making these upgrades, but I got into this planning mode instead of a production mode. So what causes that? You know, that's topic number two is how do we get into this? What causes procrastination, and, and what gets us into this planning mode versus production mode that, that we have. And, and, uh, I really think it's, it's, uh, basically four ideas. I think we, we have fear, we have loathing, we have distraction, and we have the momentum of inaction. And so let's go through those four things. First of all, what do we talk about when we talk about fear? We fear we're going to make a mistake. Uh, we're going to make a bad decision, a wrong choice. Uh, maybe we don't know what we don't know. And maybe we don't know how to start. And and so there's all these things that that eat away at us or eat away at our confidence uh, and, and, and cause us to be afraid of taking that action, you know, or taking the next step. And so that can, that can make it very easy to want to say, okay, well, I just need to plan a little more and I can overcome this fear. And, uh, so that's thing number one. The next thing is loathing. What if you just don't want to do something? It is really easy to plan procrastinate around something you don't want to do. I can plan all day if I don't have to do accounting or, um, you know, something, you know, al along those lines. And, and, uh, it's just not my thing. I don't enjoy doing it. So, uh, that that's, uh, if you don't like to do it, you don't like to do it. So we have that, uh, distraction. That's not the distraction is not so much, uh, a, a cause as a scapegoat and an excuse. So we seek distraction when we don't want to do 
something when we fear it or when we just don't want to do it. Um, we distract ourselves from taking action. And I actually thought distraction might even be a portmanteau of distract and action, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting as I went through and, and did the show notes here. And then finally, we've got the momentum of inaction, right? Where we say, if you do something, if you do nothing long enough, it becomes what you do. And so momentum in general is something that um, if you plan too long, you're going to keep planning. If you produce regularly, then momentum works in your favor and you continue to produce. And uh, so, you know, when it comes to fear, uh, what I found is, and, you know, I, I, when I started doing public podcasting, you know, I did my, uh, uh, you may or may not know that I did a scuba podcast uh, for just a few episodes, actually. And I, uh, I did that and there was, you know, I certainly had plenty of fear around it, you know, publicly producing a, a you know, some content and having it out on the internet forever and ever. Um, you know, we have to overcome that. But what I found is that if you plan a little bit, and then you take action, the fear that you have becomes more rational. And you start to say, okay, what, what was my fear based on and how did that really impact me? And what you find is for the most part, it doesn't impact you at all and you can get over it. Um, our fear is actually greater than the negative consequences that our fear is based on almost all the time. At least that's what I found in my experience. Um, so just do it. That's the bottom line. If you have something that you you're you're working through but you're afraid to start, first of all, just it's okay to be afraid. Admit it. I'm afraid to do podcast 22 or episode 22 or whatever you're doing. Um, I'm I'm a, afraid to interview for that job. I'm afraid to uh, send out this new product or do send this email or call this customer. Um, just do it. And and the word the 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 fear will almost always be far worse than the actual negative outcome that you might get in, in any case. Um, when it comes to doing stuff you don't want to do, uh, sometimes you got to do stuff you don't enjoy. And we all know that. Uh, we still have to get the work done. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a few minutes. Um, so uh, when, when it came to up and to the right, you know, what, what, uh, uh, how did that play out in terms of um, uh, what was going on for me? What caused my plan procrastination when it came to to the podcast? Uh, you know, the fear portion of it, maybe the podcast won't be helpful or maybe I don't know what I'm doing. I only had four, I had four scuba podcast episodes under my belt and at that point, 13 business episodes. Um, and so you know, you, you want to have the confidence to say, you know what, I, I do have, um, something that's going to be helpful for people. It's not going to be helpful for everybody. And every episode might not be helpful for everybody. And that's okay. Um, you know, there are some people out there who are going to need the message on, on plan procrastination. And a lot of you are going to be thinking, you know, I've, I've got this, I don't, and that's okay. Let's just, you know, we'll just, this episode is for those people who need it. And my episode on organization last week is for those people who need that. And that's, that's all right. That's what this is all about. And so, uh, moving on from that, I got distracted, uh, with all of the possible solutions and, um, uh, I am an application and technology junkie. So 
it is really easy for me to go down a rabbit hole when, it, when I'm looking at, um, uh, you know, an application solution. I looked at, uh, for, for uh, example, we, uh, for outlining, I looked at uh, Workflowy. I, I thought maybe I'll just write it in my Moleskin or use Evernote or Omni Outliner, which is a Mac-only outlining software program. Uh, you could use Word. You know, you could use Google Docs. And so I went through all of these possible tools. And um, now if you do outlining uh, regularly, you might find, as I did, that standard word processors are just not geared for it. And and they're cumbersome and they do not work real well. Um, I liked Workflowy okay, um, but uh, always having to be connected to the internet to use it. Not so much a problem when I'm actually doing the production, but if I'm not at my, uh, if I'm taking my laptop somewhere and I'm working in a coffee shop or I'm on a plane or something like that, you don't have um, necessarily internet access. I don't like to be bogged down and not able to work just because I'm not connected to the internet. So uh, Workflowy was not uh, a great solution for me. Um, writing everything down. I love my moleskins. I like writing, but honestly, I can't read fast enough, read my own notes fast enough when I write them to produce the the show in an effective manner. So it really needs to be, uh, I hate to say it, but my, my typing is much more effective than my writing when it comes to being able to deliver content live or, you know, pseudo live. So, uh, that didn't, that wasn't going to work for me. Uh, Evernote kind of fell into the same category as uh, Word or, or something like that. It's just not made for outlining. So I ended up with Omni Outliner, which I've, I've used over the years and I, I really like, um, and I made a commitment to that. So, But I went through a whole bunch of iterations of how am I going to do this to get to that point. Uh, then I started looking at camera options and, uh, you know, working around... Uh, the, the camera and audio recorder issues by changing my process. I thought about that maybe was, was an option. I said, let's buy a camera. Uh, let's look at buying cameras so that we don't have the problem. Uh, and then you have to say, okay, do you go DSLR? Do you use dedicated video cameras? Uh, and then do you use prosumer cameras or do you look at something like a dedic uh, like a black magic? Um, and then, uh, you know, you kind of have to go, well, am I going to make do or am I going to, am I going to spend some money? Um, and then I had to go back and say, what is good enough? You know, and we talked about the MVP kind of thing, the minimum viable product concept. Um, when it came to the podcast, did I, did I need to worry about it at all? Um, the podcast was early in its life. I had a great feedback. Um, so, you know, what was I, what was I really looking at? But those were the thoughts that were going through my mind. Um, and, you know, and, and the other thing was the audio quality. What, what did I need to change about the audio? Um, for those of you who don't use uh, a lot of audio equipment, there's a huge difference between the different kinds of mics that you can use uh, in terms of how much gain they have, which is how loud they are when they get to the recording device. Um, and that can be difficult to deal with. You can get a lot of extraneous noise. You can get a lot of hiss or whatever else. And in the early episodes, you're going to get some of that. So, um, uh, that was, uh, on my mind as well. So what do we do when we get into this place? Uh, the first thing is to kind of identify the roadblock, you know, am I fighting a fear issue? 
am I fighting a, a, a loathing issue? Do I just not like whatever this aspect of my, of my work is? Um, you know, so if you're talking about a fear issue, uh, it's helpful for, to me to say, what is the worst possible, not the worst possible, but the worst practical outcome of making the wrong move? Um, you know, you can always make up the worst possible scenario that's just ridiculous, but what's the worst practical thing that can happen? So uh, if if I put out a podcast episode that nobody likes, the worst thing is that nobody likes it. Okay, and maybe maybe I lose a subscriber or something, all right, and I would certainly hate that to happen, but but um, but that's really the worst possible outcome of having uh, a podcast episode that goes sideways. Um, what if you make a cold call and you're trying to make a sale, and the worst possible or the worst practical thing that can happen is what they hang up on you. Maybe they even say something negative before they hang up on you. Um, they don't know you. They don't. That they that they don't have anything over you, um, so we kind of step back a little bit and say, what is the worst practical outcome of making the wrong move, and realize that it's probably not that significant anyway. And usually, if you make a wrong move in business, all you do is switch. You just make a different move. You say, okay, that move didn't work. Try out the next thing. That's it. And, and as long as you're not tied to the action, emotionally tied to the action, it's, uh, then it's not a matter of, of giving something up to do something different. It's just a change. It's just, it's just taking the next step to move your business forward. That's it. So what if you're uninterested in doing something? Okay. Uh, the first thing you can do is cowboy up and do it, right? Just deal with it, do it move on. Um, one thing about that that I'll share is that what we're learning, uh, is that, that, uh, decision-making is a finite resource. Our ability to make hard decisions or do something that we, that requires, um, more energy. That's actually something that we can use up during the day. And by the end of the day, we may not have the energy to, uh, say, okay, now I'm going to do something I don't want to by two o'clock in the afternoon, if I haven't done the stuff that's hard, I don't really want to do it. And I have a really hard time taking the next step. So what happens is I do my hard work, you know, from when I get to work to about one thirty or two o'clock in the afternoon. And then I go to the gym because I don't have to think to go to the gym. I just go to the gym. I put on an audio book. I hit on, get on the elliptical and I go. And so that helps me keep the energy that I need for the tasks that I need to do that maybe I don't want to do, or I'd rather not do, um, get those done first early in the morning. And then you can do the stuff that, that you enjoy more or that you, that doesn't require so much decision-making power a little bit later in the day. Um, what if you're planning to, uh, do something that you actually don't have the money or resources or knowledge to do? Um, and that's possible. You can, you can say, Hey, I need to do, uh, uh, an online course. You know, um, I don't, I don't even know where to start with that. All right. So what do you do? Well, you can write it down for future action. Um, or you can identify one thing that you could do to move that project forward and do that. For example, if we say, 
uh, I want to do an online course and I don't have the first idea how, maybe the first thing to do would be to do some searching on the internet about online courses and maybe find some and look at um, two or three different uh, versions. Uh, so you can see how does one provider do it versus another versus another. And there are plenty of free ones out there that can give you a sampling of, of what the platform does and how it works. So you could do some research and that could be your one step. And then from that, you can learn to take the next step. So even if you have no idea how to implement something uh, in the long term, if you look at the big project, you can say, I, got, I, I don't know how to do that. That's okay. You just take the one step and then move from there. Then you, I, uh, uh, so the next thing is sometimes if you have uh, something you, you don't want to do, give yourself a time limit. Say, I'm only going to, I'm going to do this for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. Um, most of the things that we procrastinate about could be done with uh, a decent amount of effectiveness with very little time. Uh, and, and so we can just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to book a certain amount of time to do this. I'm going to spend 30 minutes doing accounting, uh, on Friday afternoons or whatever, you know, your, your topic that you don't like to do, or you don't enjoy. Obviously another thing you can do there is you can delegate. If you have employees, you can outsource if it's something that you can afford to get off your plate. But if you're a solopreneur, and you don't have those resources and you're not interested in engaging them, then find a way around that, you know, give yourself a time limit, set a timer, say, I'm going to do it for 30 minutes and then do it for 30 minutes and then be okay with stopping and saying, okay, I'll pick it up next week or whenever the next opportunity hits that you want to, or the next time you want to set it up. Um, so the next thing is to identify the next logical step. If you're blocked you just say, okay, what is the next one thing that I could do for this thing and do the five, four, three, two, one, you know, use the five second rule and then take action on it. So where did I end up on up to up and to the right for episode 14? Um, I did a lot of research, ah, plan procrastination, right? Research, 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 research. Um, I used Linda I, uh, went to the library. I looked at, I watched YouTube videos. I listened to podcasts. I, um, listened to audiobooks, all about how to improve, uh, the video and audio production of a podcast. And I didn't, I learned a ton. Okay. So I, I will tell you right now, it was not time that was not well spent, but, um, uh, but it took a lot of time. And I made some modest additions to the format, which if you've listened to the first 13 episodes and you've listened to any subsequent episodes, you realize that there's some additions that I've made. Um, I did get some new video cameras and everything is set up in the studio so that, um, and basically I got two identical video cameras. They're set up at different angles. Um, and I went with prosumers and not black magics. Um, and I, I set up my DSLR, so I'm still using that Canon 5D Mark II, but I'm only using it to shoot the still shot, the cover photo. And the way that I, I do that is I have all three cameras set up on tripods and they are kind of nested together. It's actually a little, uh, uh, not sketchy looking, but it's a little bit, uh, they're all cramped together and kind of interlocked. All the legs of the tripods are interlocked, um, but they're all set. So all I have to do is turn them on, 
Um, they, the two video cameras are pretty good about autofocusing. The Canon 5D, uh, I use actually manual focus, so I don't have to worry about it. I just have it focused on the spot where I take the photo and I don't have to worry about that. So I did set all of that up permanently ready to go. Okay. Um, before I move on in my notes, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the prosumer versus black magic thing. And I, this is kind of a tangent, so you're going to have to forgive me on this one, but I, I was very, very tempted to get the low end, uh, professional cameras from black magic. Um, they're little they're so they're super portable. They have incredible video quality from the examples that you can find uh, on the web. Um, they use these cameras to shoot in, in movies. I mean, they're just, they're spectacular and they're not terribly expensive. They're not cheap, but they're not out of the question. Um, but, and, and I literally had them in, in my shopping cart, um, at B and H and I went over, uh, we were having, we, we went to a party. I was talking to a video, uh, a, a guy that does video that I know, and he owns this camera. And he was glowing about it. He loved it. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm hitting that go button as soon as I get back home. Um, but he did bring up one thing that I really hadn't thought about because I've never worked in, in the pro camera industry. Um, and that is that they shoot uh, a format that has to be color graded, which means I would actually be adding a step to my workflow. And the whole point of changing my workflow was to remove obstacles to production. And so I had to step back and I went through and thought about what am I, what are my goals and, uh, you know, what, what do I need to accomplish those goals? And so I really had to, I, uh, I looked at it and I said, okay, you know what the, the, as, as cool as those black magics probably are, um, I am not trying to become a videographer. Uh, I, I shoot these videos as a fun way to introduce the podcast episode. So I can't go, I, well, I don't want to go crazy with it in that direction. I don't want to increase my production time. I just want to get the videos shot and be done with it. And so when I did that, when I said that, I said, all right, that doesn't really make good sense for me. I went back to uh, having two identical kind of prosumer video cameras that autofocus, auto white balance. And is it perfect? Of course not. Of course not. But it takes me about two seconds in Premiere to uh, color correct them to what I would call minimum viable product. And then I'm done. And so that was a win for me. Um, so now the production studio is set up and ready to go. I walk in front of it, hit the go button, record it and walk out generally done in, in, uh, you know, probably 10 to 15 minutes between different takes or whatever, end up coughing or whatever, uh, happens and have to retake something. But, um, the, uh, the next thing I did was I came up with the black and white theme for 2018, uh, where all of the, the photos are black and white, except for, for what I would call the key element, which I, I put the color back into, um, uh, uh, I changed my, or I, I adopted Omni Outliner as my show prep tool. I created an editorial calendar in G Suite. And, um, and actually I've also, uh, as part of that, I've created a, a, a table document in, uh, on the website that shows what the production schedule is, uh, 
as far as I've released it. So that document is, um, it's available on the, on the podcast webpage and you'll see a button, uh, there that says, uh, something, uh, like a table format list of the shows basically. And if you go there, you're going to find all of the existing episodes and you'll also see any planned episodes or episodes that are in production. And so, uh, and those change. If you, if you look at that webpage on a regular basis, what you're going to find is that, uh, they change as I either refine the topic that I'm talking about or add a resource, or actually I've changed a topic when I said, Oh, you know what? I, I don't want to address that right now. I want to move on to something else. And so I switch it up if I need to, but, but it's a dynamic thing. And I thought that would be kind of uh, interesting for people uh, to see kind of how the process works for me, but also so that people would actually get an idea of what's coming up before, you know, before it's released as a result of all of that time, you know, literally 13 months between episodes, I got to tell you, I'm really happy with the end result. You know, I, I like the way the podcast sounds. I, um, I like that the, the time it takes to set up is so much quicker. Now I like the organization that I have with, um, having the table on the website and also having, uh, as a, I mean, as a working document and then also having, uh, you know, things like Omni outliner so that I know exactly how to get everything, uh, done. I, uh, I use a template to, um, uh, to make the Omni outliner outline. So I don't have to recreate the wheel every time. And that all works really, really well for me. And so, uh, but the question that even, even after all of that, and, and like I said, I'm very pleased with the results, but did it have to take me a year and did I have to stop? And, and that might be true. It might need that to get where I am now. It may have taken a year to do that. That's okay. But did it really require me to stop production completely and, and plan all of that time to get to where I am now? And I don't think that's true. That's where, and that's where I think the, the key lesson here is, um, you know, for myself, as much as for anybody else, obviously, um, is that, that we really have to look at, um, is whatever we're going to be planning really so important that you need to stop producing to accomplish it. And, uh, I think that's worth paying attention to. And in this case, I don't think it was, I think I could have done another, you know, 40 or 50 episodes, uh, between February and March. Uh, they're, uh, basically took taking uh, a great deal of 2017 off, uh, that I could have had a lot of content produced using, uh, incrementally better technology as I learned more and had more, more, uh, time or added some equipment or whatever, um, rather than having this immediate, you know, shift from episode 13 to episode 14. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. If you've enjoyed this episode of up and to the right, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Google play, TuneIn, and stitcher. Don't forget to visit b50p.info forward slash UATTR021 to get the show notes for this episode along with any downloads or other resources that were mentioned. 
Find out more about our coaching and project-based services at beyond50percent.com. Plancrastination is something we all struggle with from time to time. We deal with fear, loathing, distraction, and the momentum of inaction as we work in our in and on our businesses. By acknowledging it, we can identify the causes and find ways to reduce our planning time so we can get back to valuable action. Once additional planning won't result in a significant increase in the odds of success, it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work.